Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 3.5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to my second episode back on The Great Unsolved. If you're not normally here, my name's Alexis, and I go over unsolved missing persons cases and unsolved murder cases. Follow us on Twitter at Great Unsolved. Follow us on Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod. Search us on YouTube and Facebook. On Facebook, we have both a group and a page, so you can interact with us multiple ways there. Our Patreon link will also be below as will all the other socials. If you follow me on Twitter or listen to the last episode, you know I'm going back through about the first 50 cases I ever did on this podcast because I know how to record better, I know how to speak better, I know how to research better, edit better. Everything's a little bit better now. So I figured, why not go back, re-research these cases, pick up anything I didn't catch, and redo the audio to make them much more easy to listen to. For those of you that have been around since the start, or even just for a while, I cannot believe you even listened to those episodes. They were horrific, (laughs) and the audio was bad, the editing was bad. I didn't talk normal in them, and it was just, it was bad. Now, according to some reviewers, I talk in italics, which seems pretty fancy, so I think I am recording these much better now. Anyways, today we're going to get into the second case I ever researched for this podcast, and that is the case of Brandon Lawson. This is just an insane case, and there's so many crazy theories going around, and so many crazy pieces of so-called evidence that it is just one we're going to have to dive headfirst into. So let's get started. Brandon Lawson was a 26-year-old man who was 5 foot 9 inches tall and weighed 230 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. He has multiple tattoos on his neck, back, and chest with only one pierced ear. 
the day he went missing, he was wearing a yellow shirt with camo shorts and white Nike Air Max shoes. Brandon was, by all accounts, a really loving father of four who was described to be very funny and charismatic when in groups. He was an oil field worker, which meant sometimes he had to work 13 plus hour days, which is insane to me. But it was rumored that he was supposed to start a new job shortly after he went missing. At the time he went missing, he had a warrant out for him from two years prior, but he was not considered a fugitive and still is not considered a fugitive. The reason I'm saying this is his family is not happy with people who are calling him a fugitive. Let me read this message from his website to give you a little more insight. Quote, I would like to close with any person or group who in describing Brandon's case and calls him a fugitive without internal knowledge of the investigation, aka an official law enforcement, is doing a great disservice to all who worked hard to find Brandon, and this includes law enforcement who, of late, have been spending many hours investigating. Just because a media outlet may have used the term fugitive does not mean Brandon is a fugitive. For that matter, even if a law enforcement official believes that Brandon is a fugitive, that does not mean he is a fugitive. The only time that term slash title slash tag should be used would be if Brandon is located alive and in hiding, or investigators find evidence that he is alive and hiding. Then he earns the title fugitive. Until then, he is a father of four, a longtime partner of Ledessa, a son, grandson, brother, nephew, and friend to many, and he is missing. End quote. So although we know he has a warrant from two years before he went missing, and had this at the time he went missing, obviously, he is not a fugitive, and we will not be calling him one. I also want to state that there are many different sources saying many different things on this case, and I'm going to provide all the information I found, which means multiple sources and multiple views on many different things, but most things have not been confirmed. So take them all with a grain of salt. I'm not trying to offend the family or sway the investigation or anything like that. I'm just reporting everything as I found it, since I don't know what's true and what's not true. And Brandon is still missing. So any piece that is true needs to be reported. But we don't know what's true, so I'm just reporting everything in the case that someone knows something. Brandon lived with his long-term girlfriend, Ledessa Lofton. We'll get to my thoughts on her later, but let me tell you, they are not what you were probably assuming. My view on her has changed so much since I covered this case a while ago. They lived together with their three children, plus Brandon's other child from a previous relationship in San Angelo, Texas. On August 9th of 2013, Brandon and Ledessa got into a heated argument. Some sources say that this argument was because Brandon had not come home the night before, and Ledessa was mad about an emerging drug problem he had. This, of course, has not been confirmed from what I can find. Anyways, to cool off, Brandon decided he would leave the home. This happened in between 11.53pm and 11.55pm. 
there are conflicting times there. Some places say 11.54, some say 11.53, 11.55, but it was within a two-minute time span. And at this time, he called his father, saying he would be making the three-hour drive from his house to his father's house to stay there and cool off. Very shortly after he left, Ladessa did get worried about Brandon driving in a mad state and driving that far this late at night. So she called him. Some sources say that she did not get an answer, while others state that he did answer and they actually did talk. If he did answer, apparently Ladessa told him to just go to his brother's as it was much, much closer instead of his father's, and supposedly Brandon switched where he was driving after that conversation. Once again, none of this has been confirmed. Here, the timeline seemed to be really off, to me at least. Many places state that after hanging up the phone, Ladessa put it in her car to charge it, as it was almost dead and she didn't have a charger she could use in the house. But in just a bit, we know she got a call from Kyle, Brandon's brother. Some sources also report that Kyle and his girlfriend came to Ladessa and Brandon's home during this time to see her and the kids since she was worried about Brandon. But they left before Kyle was contacted by Brandon, which is coming up shortly. Either way, no matter what the timeline is, around 12.34 a.m., Ladessa missed three calls from Brandon. They were each two minutes apart. So it was 12.34 a.m., 12.36 a.m., and 12.38 a.m. Then Brandon called his brother. At 12.38 a.m. on August 10th of 2013, Brandon called his brother, telling him that he ran out of gas and asked him to bring some on the highway. In an article from Medium.com, apparently Brandon said, quote, some, quote, Mexicans, it was actually an expletive, but they didn't say what it was, and obviously I won't say it here, but some Mexicans are chasing me out of town, to which Kyle asks if Brandon is high, as he assumes no one is actually chasing Brandon, and once again, this is only from one source, so it's unconfirmed, but Brandon says, no, I'm not high, these people are chasing me, can you bring me gas? Having no gas can, Kyle's girlfriend called Ladessa, either they had just left or this was the first time they were contacting her this night. But she called Ladessa asking for a gas can. She said she would leave it on the porch. So Ladessa left the gas can on the porch, Kyle and his girlfriend came to grab it, and then they headed out to where Brandon said he would be. Kyle was waiting for his paycheck to clear, so he couldn't fill the gas can, but they figured they would go get Brandon, go fill it, then drop him back at his truck, and it would all work out. At 12.54 a.m. on August 10th, 2013, Brandon called 911, and the operator had a pretty hard time understanding what he was saying, and this is where a lot of theories and controversies in the case come from. Everyone kind of has their own idea of what is said during the 911 call and what it could have meant. I am going to try and insert it here. Nine, two thousand, thirteen, zero, fifty, and thirty-eight seconds. Nine one emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The staple just pushing guys over. Right here, going towards gasoline on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. You got
version of a transcript and it is by reallifeishorror.blogspot.com and it says this quote these are all Brandon's voice unless stated otherwise hey I'm in the middle of a field a cipher just pushed some guys over right here going towards Averline on both sides my truck ran out of gas there's one car here got chased, taken to the woods. Please hurry. Because when I was talking to him, I suddenly ran into him. The operator then says, oh, you ran into them. Okay. And then he says, got shot, the first guy. The operator then asks if Brandon needs an ambulance, which he replies, yeah, no, I need the cops. A second version of this transcript brought to light on Reddit by user jail4clinton says this. Operator 911 emergency, Brandon. Yes, I'm in the middle of a field with Ted. We just pushed some guys over. We're out here going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. There's guys chasing me through the woods. Please hurry. Operator. Okay, now run that by me one more. Brandon. Okay, we're not talking to them. I accidentally ran into them. Operator. Ah, you ran into them. Okay. Brandon, shot the first guy. Operator, do you need an ambulance? Brandon, yeah, no, I need the cops. Operator, okay, is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 And a third version of this call is from coldcasewriter.com, and it is as follows. Dispatcher, 911 emergency, Brandon, yes, I'm in the middle of a field with unintelligible, right here going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here, a guy chasing me through the woods. Please hurry. Dispatcher, okay, now run that by me one more. Brandon, there's a guy talking to him. I totally ran into him. Dispatcher, ah, you ran into him. Okay. And then in the background here, there's unintelligible voices. Brandon, just the first guy. Dispatcher, do you need an ambulance? There's another voice in the background talking at the same time, saying, watch out, unintelligible. Background voice, you there? Brandon, no, I need the cops. Dispatcher, okay, is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 After the talking ends, there's the sound of either a car engine or a gunshot, not too far in the distance, and then the line goes dead. So in the third version we just read here, the person who heard this transcript believes there is a second voice in the background, unintelligible things, and then saying, watch out. And if there is another person, that would lend to the theory of foul play. So let's go through these calls, this call, I guess it's only one call, a little bit more in depth. As we can see with all three of these, Brandon states that he is in a field and that there are indeed other people around him. The first transcript writer hears the word cipher, while the second hears Ted, and the third can't make out any real word. 
it is safe to assume here that he's either telling the operator what he is by or who he is with, since both of these scenarios would make perfect sense if you're calling 911. We can also assume he's going towards Abilene, since it's a consensus that people hear when listening to this tape. It then gets a little bit more confusing, because although these three transcript writers hear on both sides, there are others who hear Bront side. I'll let you think about that one because I really can't hear one over the other, but I did read a lot of transcripts before listening to the phone call, which was probably a mistake. To me, all the transcripts I have read is fairly clear that Brandon says his car is out of gas, and there are other people there that ended up chasing him at some point, assuming that is how he ended up in the field. The next point, he says that someone was talking to someone, maybe he was talking to someone, or maybe he saw someone else talking to someone. Either way, he was still around other people. He ran into these other people as well. This can be taken a multitude of different ways, and you can interpret it really any way you want. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. You know, when you build with Morton Buildings, you build something that lasts. If you need a garage, insulator workshop, horse barn, farm storage building, cabin, office, warehouse, or anything in between, Morton can create a building that's perfect for you, that's attractive, that's easy to maintain, that's dependable enough to stand the test of time. Don't delay, construction schedules are filling up fast. So now is the time to start planning your building project with Morton Buildings. Find out more right now at mortonbuildings.com. One way is that Brandon got in a little car accident with them. Although there was no damage to the car, it could still be thought that these people overreacted and caused Brandon to call the police while they were chasing him off the road. Scenario two, he walked up on police doing something that was unethical. One commenter on reallifeishorror.blogspot.com brought attention to the fact that some small town cops are unethical and maybe Brandon caught them. This seems odd, though, since he was calling 911, and they would just end up sending the same cops. However, it would explain the people that hear Brandon saying a word that is slang for the rangers during the phone call. It might also explain why they chased him into the woods. They didn't want anyone to know what they were doing, and it would make for a really easy cover-up here. Scenario three is... Basically, the same thing as the one above, but instead of police, it's criminals doing something along the highway that he stumbles upon. Of course, the criminals would not want to be caught, so they would want to get rid of Brandon. Scenario number four is a popular theory, and is that in a drugged-up state, he wandered onto someone's property and ran into them. This is taking place in Texas, where people tend to be a little more protective of their land, and maybe they chased him off. But we'll discuss this theory a little more later on. Next, Brandon says he either got shot by the first guy, shot the first guy, or just the first guy. Many believe he is saying he got shot, since that would explain what happened to him and the possible sound of gunshots at the end of the call may also be a clue to support this theory. He could have shot someone too, and maybe that's why he was being chased, but there was no record of Brandon having a gun, 
so that seems pretty unlikely. The operator then asks if he needs an ambulance, and it sounds like he says yeah at first, and then says no, I need the cops. Many have speculated that Brandon's voice is not the only one on this 911 call, and they think that there's someone near him talking as well, and that's the person who says yes to the ambulance before Brandon speaks. You can see that in coldcasewriter.com's transcript, he says there is a background noise that says watch out and you there. So maybe the first guy who Brandon mentioned was trying to get away from the same people and therefore stayed with Brandon while he was running and calling the police. The last thing you hear from Brandon's end of the call is either a car engine or a gun. Your interpretation of this kind of forms the whole theory for this case. If it's a car engine, then he has to still be close to the highway, or at least a road, and this could give a placement of where he last was. If it's a gun, then it could lead towards certain theories and could give an idea of how Brandon died and why his body was never found. After this infamous phone call, a lot happens. There's a series of calls after this 911 call ends. First, Brandon calls Ledessa. There's no answer. Then Kyle calls Brandon. There's no answer. Then Brandon calls Ledessa. There's no answer. Kyle calls Brandon. There's no answer. Brandon calls his neighbor. No answer. Brandon calls Kyle three times with no connection. And then neighbor calls Brandon three times with no connection. So I mention these because it seems odd. First, Brandon's calling, then Kyle's calling him, then Brandon's calling Ladessa, then Kyle's calling him. So we know Brandon was using his phone at this time. Why was he not answering the calls from Kyle? They went through, there was just no answer. Two of these calls went through to Brandon's cell phone, but there was no answer. And I have not been able to kind of reason out why he wasn't picking it up. If Brandon was trying to get a hold of Ledessa and then his neighbor, why wouldn't he answer a call from his brother, who he called to come out to him? He's obviously going to be the closest person. He might be able to help Brandon, but Brandon just didn't answer these calls, and I can't wrap my head around that. Around 1.10 a.m., Brandon's brother did arrive at the car that was on U.S. 227, four miles south of Bront, Texas. The gas tank was empty, but there was no damage to the car. It was parked with the rear end kind of slanted out towards the lane in the road, and the keys were missing, and still to this day have never been found. At this point, some sources state that Brandon called Kyle, and Kyle answered. In this version from Thought Catalog, Brandon says, quote, one time run which means law enforcement run, just as the police car pulls up to Brandon's truck where Kyle is. If this account is true, it would mean that Brandon was not far away, since he could still see his car and could see the law enforcement pulling up to his car. This would also point to him not being chased by many people, since neither Kyle nor the police officer noticed anything off around them or around the car. Sometime while Kyle, his girlfriend, and the police officer are standing there, 
either Kyle or his girlfriend get a call from Brandon. There's conflicting information on who received the call. A friend of Brandon's stated that Brandon talked to Kyle in this last call, and he said he was in a field. Other reports state that Brandon talked to Kyle's girlfriend and said he was bleeding, then hung up. Other reports state that Brandon says, to who I'm not sure, but that he is 10 minutes up the road. No matter which one of these is true, the call ends quickly before they can really respond to Brandon. And Brandon is still hard to understand at this point. Kyle and his girlfriend assumed that Brandon may be avoiding the police due to his warrant, so they didn't tell the officer that he was on the phone at that time. To some people, this seems strange, but they were unaware that Brandon had called 911, and I'm sure if they had known that Brandon reached out to law enforcement on his own, they would have told the officer right away and gone to look for him. Both the officer and the couple drove around searching for Brandon, but they found nothing. The couple assumed that he would come back to his truck once they left, once law enforcement was gone, so they were going to go back in the morning. All calls to Brandon's phone started going to voicemail starting at 3 a.m. on August 10th, 2013. Since this time, there has been no cell phone activity from Brandon, and his phone or keys have never been found. Some reports state that searches were conducted two days after he went missing, while others state it wasn't until after Ladessa filed a police report on August 13th. Now, some of you are going to be shocked and asking, like, why'd she wait three whole days? But let's look at it a little more unbiasedly. Brandon is an adult, and often when people go to file missing persons reports for adults, they're told they have to wait at least 48 hours anyway. Also, the family was still in the dark that Brandon ever dialed 911, so they didn't have a huge reason to think something was wrong. Lastly, they all knew of his warrant, and Ledessa easily could have thought he was hiding out to play it safe for a few days as to not get caught by police, and if she had gone to police, and that's what he was doing, then she would have jeopardized that. I'm not really hugely shocked here that she waited three days to report him missing, and I don't believe it would have made a huge impact on the case if she had reported him missing earlier anyway. I do want to quickly talk about Ledessa. Many of the articles and podcasts, etc. on this case, I have seen chastise Ledessa for putting her phone in the car and not going to give Brandon gas herself or even making him leave in the first place. First of all, couples fight. Brandon's an adult, she couldn't stop him from leaving, and probably didn't want to if they were arguing anyway. People do this daily, and more often than not, they come back perfectly fine. I doubt she was thinking he would never come back when they were arguing or when he left. Secondly, she had three, or maybe four, I'm not sure if Brandon's other child was there that night, children at home, and it was after midnight. How was she supposed to drive out to Brandon and give him gas? She can't leave them at home, and it was also reported that one child was sick, so I doubt she wanted to wake them up and take them out to bring Brandon gas. Brandon's brother had it under control. Ledessa still supplied the gas can. If she really was mad at Brandon and wanted him to stay out there or die or something along those lines, 
She could have said no to giving him the gas can. Be as simple as that. Lastly, Ledessa not having a charger for her phone in her home isn't that crazy, especially with that many kids running around. I buy computer and phone chargers constantly due to my pets hiding them or breaking them or the chargers just breaking in general, but we always have one charger for the phone in the car for music. So if we run out of chargers, we can use that one as a backup. It was also reported that her phone was almost dead at the time she put it in the car. So she put it out there to charge. If she kept it in the house, it would have died, and that would not have helped anyone either. Ledessa is not a suspect or even a person of interest in this case. Family and friends have all stated she was, and still is, a driving force in the search for Brandon. I'm sure she feels survivor's guilt for even arguing with him that night, so we don't have to make a huge conspiracy about it. Just leave it alone. Nothing of Brandon was found on any searches that were conducted, and nothing of him has been found to this day. As I said before, his phone and keys have not been found. There has also been no activity on his bank account or phone either, which sadly leaves me to believe he is no longer alive. There is only so long someone can go without any activity on any of their accounts and without being seen if they are alive. And for Brandon, it has been almost eight years now. There are tons of theories on this case dealing with law enforcement and other crazy conspiracies, but I think it went one of two ways and they are fairly simple. Either murder or meth psychosis. I have no idea if Brandon was on meth that night, but he had a history of addiction and supposedly him and Ledessa had been arguing about drugs that night. And either way, still need to search for him, still need to find him, doesn't excuse whatever happened, and police not doing what they should have if that was the case, but if he was using, this seems like a very plausible scenario. Meth psychosis happens to 36.5% of meth users. It causes jumpiness, talking quickly, moving from topic to topic, paranoia, and hallucinations that someone is out to get them. That sounds really close to the 911 call Brandon made. He was talking fast, stating people were after him, he was hiding, and he was very hard to understand. That one report even said he told Kyle earlier that night that people were after him, prompting Kyle to ask if he was high. If that scenario is true, which we don't know if it is, but if it is, maybe this kind of thing had happened before. Maybe not to this extent, but maybe Brandon had gotten high and paranoid before, and that's why Kyle was asking this to him. Sleep deprivation and meth use together is a large cause of meth psychosis, and according to one report, he hadn't come home the night before, so maybe he didn't sleep. Even if he did sleep, he worked 12-plus hour days, which has to cause some kind of sleep deprivation. Chemical changes in sweat due to meth can also cause meth psychosis. And it was August in Texas, and Brandon was walking around or running around and hiding. He very well could have been sweating, and this could have induced psychosis as well. The only real treatment for this is medical detox. And sometimes the symptoms don't ever really go away completely, 
So individuals must remain on medicine. Once again, it has never been confirmed that he was on meth, and it probably never will be. So this is just a theory. But if this is what happened, then I am just left to wonder where Brandon's body is. The other theory of mine is murder. Many speculate this could be murder by cops since apparently Texas has no rules according to everyone there. But I don't think it was by the cops because why would he call 911 and ask for police? That just doesn't make any sense. It is more likely that he was either walking to get gas and went onto the wrong person's land, who then went after him with a gun, or he stumbled across some criminal activity which caused them to want to get rid of the witness, aka Brandon. If someone shot him, it would explain why he said he was bleeding in that last phone call. Then maybe the perp got to him, killed him, and disposed of his body and belongings, which is why he's never been found. It could also be a mix of these. Brandon got high and walked where he wasn't supposed to and got killed. But I really don't think we'll ever know in this case, because Brandon's body hasn't been found for eight years, and there's been extensive searches. It just doesn't seem plausible at this point, sadly. That brings us to the end of the case of Brandon Lawson. So if you know anything or are around the area, please call in with tips so that maybe the family can one day put Brandon to rest. Other than that, just stay safe and have a great day. So, how does it feel when you play Roll Up to Win with Tim Hortons? Buy a hot or cold beverage using the Tim's app and find out. Roll in the app for a chance to win prizes ranging from free coffee and donuts to a Universal Orlando Resort vacation or a sweet car. Oh, don't forget the TV. And this year, every roll is a shot at a $1,000 daily giveaway drawing for two $500 prizes. Roll up to win and get treated by Tim's. No purchase necessary. Account registration required. 50 U.S. and D.C. 18 plus entered by 4223. See rules at rolluptowin.com for free entry of full details. Void in Florida and where prohibited.